Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those of you on the South Shore joining us right now live. Also on the Gulf Coast, all of our online campus. I want to welcome you guys, the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center and our newest group at the St. Tammany Parish Jail that's joining us live. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are connected with us right now? So excited to have all of you. We are in week two of a series uh, called The Other Side. Again, we do something in the very beginning of the year every year. Uh, we do what's called a community series. What is a community series? I'll teach five or six weekends. Uh, I'll teach a message series where we'll go through somewhat of a curriculum on the weekend. Uh, and number two, we'll all read a book together, devotional. I do want to say to the other campuses, uh, you can pick one up in the Commons area and all of the campuses. If you do not have the $10, we want to give it free. We just want everybody to get one of these. And the number three is small groups. Again, we have about 10,000 people in small groups, 950 you can choose from. We'd love to see you guys get in small groups as well. Today I want to talk to you and continue our series about the other side. Every single one of us have encountered, will encounter, and could be potentially right now encountering storms. Things that come up against us, obstacles, trials, adversity. The issue is not whether they're going to come. The issue is, are we going to use the wisdom of God and the faith of God to, quote, get to the other side? Some of you are dealing right now with financial situations. You never saw it coming and something shifted and turned and maybe it was in your business or Something that just happened and you didn't see it. And, and now you're, you've got this obstacle that's so big and it's looming in front of you. And, and listen, and you really don't know what to do. Some of you, it's a health concern. You went into the doctor, you thought, man, everything's great. I'm healthy, I exercise. And you get this report. And now you're trying to grapple with the realities of what could be. And, and you really don't know what to do. Some of you, there's been a relational curveball recently. You thought things were going well. You thought everything was fine. And then there was a turn. There was a shift. You had a conversation you thought you'd never have. And, and now you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. And, and, and here's the question. Have you ever been in a place when you didn't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Every single one of us deal with times of uncertainty. We, we deal with times of adversity. It will happen. We do not believe it, Church of the King. By the way. Give your heart to Jesus and you'll never have problems. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. In this world, you're going to have trials. In this world, you're going to have adversity, but be of good cheer. I'm going to help you get through the, to the other side. That's the Bible. It says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Y'all ever heard the two, that, that, that axiom, that, that, that statement, the two things that are certain in life, two things that we know that are certain, what are they? Number one is what? Death. And number two is taxes, right? I want to say another thing that is certain as well, and that is adversity. The issue is, what kind of person are you becoming as you walk through adversity? What is happening on the inside of you as you're faced with a trial? By the way, great men and women of God, if you think you're alone, you're not. Moses, David, Deborah, Esther, men and women throughout the Bible dealt with situations where they were, they were, they were facing things that seem to be insurmountable. Think of Jesus himself. Talk about pressure. 
Talk about a trial. He, he, he faced what? The garden of Gethsemane. Remember that moment where, 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 Father, not what I want, but you want? And then, of course, he went to the cross later that night into the early morning on Friday morning, Good Friday. And so he felt pressure. Matter of fact, there was so much pressure in the life of Jesus. The Bible says he sweat drops of blood. That's a lot. How about Paul the apostle? St. Paul, right? <laughs> the one that wrote in the Bible... You can do all things through Christ. I mean, just that faith man, man, the one that spoke. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you in the book of Romans. He also said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said this. He says, I am perplexed, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. He says, I go through stuff and I'm hard pressed on every side. But I'm not crushed. I am perplexed, but I'm not in despair. What's the point? He never said he wasn't going to go through things, but he said, listen, there is another side to that thing. And I want to encourage you guys, this whole series is about how to get to the other side. It's interesting. I, if you weren't here last week, I, I, I want to recap. Today I want to talk to you about the first, what I would call key to, quote, getting through adversity. Uh, but if you weren't here last week, I want to briefly recap. I do want to say to all of our campuses, uh, all of our CDs are free on the way out. Also, you can download any of the podcasts. Each one of the messages stand alone. However, uh, it would be good if you can follow along with us. We're looking at the children of Israel. Children of Israel. What does that mean? The, chil the children of Israel. Israel was actually originally a man named Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. So when you hear the children of Israel, literally, they are the children of a man named Israel. And he had 12 sons. One of those sons, Joseph, quote, was sold into slavery. Here's what happened. These 12 sons lived in Israel, the land of Israel, named after a man named Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And because of a famine, all that whole group ended up living down in Egypt. The Bible says that they multiplied and they grew and they grew and they grew. Actually, the Bible says there's about 70 of them that ended up down in Egypt. About 70 of, quote, Jacob's family, Israel's family, ended up down in Egypt. Why? Because there was food down there. Well, one of the brothers, Joseph, was sent down there early because he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Well, the Bible says that the nation now became Israel. That's multiplying. There, there's thousands and there's hundreds of thousands of these, quote, children of Israel, also named Hebrews, also named Jewish people. They're growing and they're multiplying. Where? In Egypt. And the Bible says there's a pharaoh. It's a royal name for king, the king of Egypt. The children of Israel fell out of favor with the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And so what did they do? Pharaoh enslaved these Jewish people, these Hebrews, enslaved them and began to whip them and began to abuse them. And he used them as slave labor to build these great big Egyptian cities. One day, the Bible says, the cry of these Hebrews, it raised up to God. And God heard the cry, and God raised up a deliverer. Does anybody know his name? What's his name? Moses. Moses, long story, but the fact is, is that God put his hand upon his life, and God raised him up. And so now Moses goes into Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he begins to speak on God's behalf, on the people's behalf, for God. And he said, let my people go. 
He told Pharaoh that. Pharaoh, ah, I'm not going to do it. Boom, one plague comes. Two, three, four, five. Finally, after the 10th challenge from Moses to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, Pharaoh relinquishes controls and lets them go. And as they're going, I'm going to tell you, the children of Israel, they're excited. They're slapping hands and high-fiving and eating and drinking, and, and they're going. Now, theologians believe it's anywhere from 400,000 Hebrews, Jewish people, children of Israel, all synonymous. Theologians believe it's anywhere from 400,000 up to a million. Some even have said two million. It's a lot. So all of these Hebrews, what are they doing? They come back Watch this. They're going back to their homeland. What's their homeland? Canaan land. What's another word for Canaan land? The promised land. What's another word for that? Modern day Israel. Where are they coming from? Egypt. And they cross two bodies of water. The first they have to cross is the Red Sea. Then they go into the wilderness and then, or the desert, and then they cross another body, the Jordan River, boom, and they come in. What's the point? The point is they come up to the first body of water, the Red Sea. And they talk to Moses, say, Moses, Hey, what are we going to do? And as they come up to this Red Sea, they also turn around. This is all recap from last week. And they see Pharaoh's army coming behind them. They can't go forward because of the Red Sea. But they can't go backward because of Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh had changed his mind. He was upset that he let the children of Israel go. And now he was coming back with full force and full fury. He was, I mean, let me tell you, he was coming to get them. And they're stuck. Talk about pressure. They couldn't go forward, but they couldn't go backward. You ever been there before? Some of you are probably there right now. You say, Pastor, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see any way forward, but, but I can't go back. They couldn't go around. It was in this moment of pressure, this moment of uncertainty, here it is, God speaks to Moses to tell the children of Israel four things. These four things, I believe, are keys. They're a template of how you and I can, quote, respond to adversity today. How you and I can respond to challenges today. How you and I, watch this, watch this. How we can navigate biblically through uncertain times today. Well, what are the four things? Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. I'm going to give you two, and then I'll just tell you the other two. And each week, by the way, these four things provide the framework. Today I'm going to talk about the first key. Next week will be the second, the third, and then we'll finish up on the fifth week. We'll finish up with the fourth key. Last week was intro. All right, here we go. So now, what do you do when you don't know what to do? God tells Moses, tell the children of Israel, do these four things. Here it is. And Moses said to the people, number one, do not be afraid. Everybody say, fear not. Fear not. Number two, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The next verse, actually, I'll just tell you, it says number three. So number one is fear not. Everybody say fear not. Everybody say number two, say stand still. Number three, the third thing, which is the next verse, he says, and you shall hold your peace. And the last thing he says is this, watch this, go forward. So here's the four things. Here's the template that I believe that God gives us. What do you do? 
when you don't know what to do. Number one, everybody say, fear not. Stand still. Hold your peace and go forward. Today I want to talk to you about what it means to fear not. I want to talk to you about the enemy of our souls, fear. How the enemy would like to entice and, and, and demean and degrade us and, and, and how he'll put that bony finger in our face and, and try to intimidate us and to get us to back off from doing what God's called us to do. To back off from becoming what God's called us to be. Interesting, I looked in the scripture and I was doing study this week and I was, uh, oh, oh, I was really amazed when I, when I, when I realized that this is interesting. Here's a little Bible trivia. You guys want a little Bible trivia? This will help you. The most often used phrase in the Bible, what do you think it is? I, I would have thought, man, God is love. You know, and, I mean, that's his nature, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Who should ever do it? I thought, man, it, be more loving. Wouldn't that, I mean, if God is love. Now, we should be more loving, but that's not the phrase that's used most often. And we ought to be loving. Don't misunderstand. Number two, I thought, you know what? Be a servant. Be a servant. I mean, Jesus, I mean, even he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom. Man, surely it's to, it's to, it's to be a servant. And we should be servants. But that's not the one used. It's actually a different phrase. It's not be more loving. We should be that, but that's not the most used. It's not be a servant, although we should be, but that it's be not afraid. Fear not. Matter of fact, let me tell you how many times it's used in the Bible. You guys ready for this? Here it is. Fear not, be not afraid, and somewhat of a derivation where, where it's kind of similar, whether it's fear not, be not afraid. Let me tell you how many times it's used. Ready for this? 366 times. Why is that? How many days in a year? 365. Why is there 366? How many know God doesn't forget about leap year? <laughs> Come on, y'all with me? He knows, watch this. He knows that every day when you and I roll out of bed, regardless if you hit the snooze once, twice, or three times, he knows that the enemy of our soul, that old fear, the devil himself trying to incite fear just to try to get us to back up. He knows that every day we've got to hear that word in our ear. Fear not. Can everybody say that the count of three? One, two, three. Fear not. There's something about fear. It seeks to paralyze us. It, it seeks to immobilize us. It's interesting. I was thinking about fear this week, and I, I did hear something pretty funny, and I, I was putting all this together. Uh, I heard a story about a man telling his buddy about a serious argument uh, that he and his wife had the night before. But it ended when she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. Well, what did she say when she came? Asked the friend. The husband said, she said, come out from underneath that bed, you coward. I want to talk to you some more. I know whenever I tell that, the wives are like, oh my gosh, just hang on. Let me finish my point. Okay, that's all I'm asking. Everybody say, fear not. Fear is something that has attacked me over in my life. And I, um, people have asked me from time to time, Pastor, have you, uh, have you ever been afraid? Yeah, I am. I, I don't believe it's a sin to feel fear, but I believe it's unwise to submit to that emotion of fear. 
See, the reality is, is and I want to say this as well, uh, you know, it's interesting, our, our staff, our team, they'll call me Captain Qualifier. What does that mean? I always talk about, uh, I try to qualify because one of my great concerns is always to be misunderstood. I'm a communicator, right? So I want to make sure you guys understand what I'm saying. I also want to make sure you understand what I'm not saying. So let me tell you something about fear. Not all fear in the Bible is bad fear. Not all fear. As a matter of fact, it is, it is the minority, but there are several times in the Bible where fear is spoken in very positive terms. Let me give an example. By the way, practically speaking, let me give you a test. Is this good fear or bad fear when you tell your child, don't touch the stove, they may get burned? Good fear or bad fear? That is good fear. There's a, there's a certain reverence. There's a certain respect. Okay. Good fear or bad fear when, when you're 50 and you don't have to prove you still got it and jump out of an airplane that you took a one day course at Hammond. <laughs> My friend said, Steve, we're going to do this. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. It's called good fear. Y'all with me? Y'all still got it. I don't, I guess. But anyway, so I know there's some guys in our church that do that. It's awesome. But, but, but anyway, here's my point. There, there, is, there, is, there is, in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fear, the minority, the, 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 the smallest percentage of times, it speaks of fear in a, good, in, in, a, in a good dimension, but overwhelmingly it speaks as it being negative. Let me give you the most positive connotation in Scripture related to fear. You ready for this? Here it is. The fear of the Lord. Is that good or bad? That's good, right? What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to, here it is, to reverence God, to honor God. It's to recognize God is God and we are not. Let me give you a scripture. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord, see this is good fear, to reverence God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's so many scriptures of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is depart from sin and evil. So, so the Bible talks about both good fear and bad fear. The minority, the smallest amount of time, it talks about, not because it's not important, it's just there's so much of the other bad stuff, but it talks about some good fear related primarily to the fear of the Lord. So we are, in a sense, we are to fear, but it's to honor and fear the Lord. But that's the only time there's clear injunctions in Scripture, fear the Lord. That's where fear is seen as a positive thing. Number two. The overwhelming sense in the Bible is fear is always, or it's primarily seen, primarily seen as negative. Negative. Fear that gets people to back off. Fear that causes you to recoil from the, from the dreams and the goals that, that God has put in your heart. Matter of fact, Pastor Dave DeGarmo did a great job beginning of the year, and he was teaching about the visions of God, the, the, the writing down your goals, the bad fear. The fear that seeks to, seeks to immobilize you. What is fear? It's, that, it's that, that powerful emotion of an impending danger. Albeit true or false, it still feels the same. Oh gosh, I better not step out and go back to school. I'm too old and I can't do that. And after all, I've got that. So that fear, even though you may feel God has told you that, fear will get you to not take the first step out. Some of you maybe, you've been dating for a long time and you know this is the one, but you're waiting for some, you're waiting for an angel to show up on the side of your bed. And you know God and all the women said, come on pastor, preach. 
And there's this sense of fear because you may have grown up in a broken home. You thought, man, I can't do that. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I just, I just can't do that. It's fear. Had a couple in our church, and I say this respectfully, years ago, and they said, Pastor, we love God. We know we're Christians. Listen to what I'm about to say. And they told me, they said, the world is so wicked and so bad, we are scared to have children because we don't want them coming into this world. Everybody say, bad fear. See, 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 that fear is, it's an impending expectation of the negative. It's a bad fear. You know, there's a synonymous term uh, to fear very close, and that would be phobia. You guys, obviously, we've heard of phobias. What is a phobia? Uh, a phobia is a dread, terror, or anticipation of something bad to have. Very similar. It's a, it's a fear. Let me give you a couple. These are real things, all right? These are really uh, misophobia. Well, you know what that is? Misophobia. It's when somebody has the fear of dirt or germs. Howard Hughes. How many of you remember Howard Hughes? He ended up dying in his airplane. Why? He was scared of dirt and germs, and he ended up quarantining himself. And he was, he was just, he was like totally petrified and terrified. And so all, all these are true. I got them off the internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> Aviophobia. That's the fear of flying. Jennifer Aniston, Cher, Whoopi Goldberg, John Madden, by the way. Did y'all know that? John Madden. He, he, takes a, uh, he drives a kind of a, a, a big bus. throughout. He, he won't get on. He's scared. He's, he is convinced if he flew, he would die. So it's a, it's, it's a fear that can, even though the overwhelming percentage of people that ever die is much more in car wrecks than in plane wrecks. But, but there's this, 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 this fear. Uh, here, here's another one. Cholerophobia. What is that? It's the fear of cauliflower. No, it's not. It's the fear. It's the, this is true. It's C-O-U-L-R-O-phobia. It's the fear of clowns. Johnny Depp has the fear. I don't know if you know. Uh, Danielle Radcliffe from Harry Potter. She, legitimately. Let me give you this last one. This was interesting when I looked it up this week. Astrophobia. What is that? It's the fear of thunder. Madonna struggles with that. She is convinced if she's outside and there's any sense of impending that she's going to get struck and killed by lightning. Now there's an obvious sense of wisdom if there's something, but, but she's so terrified with that. See, so, 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 so people can get to a place of paranoia. They won't even leave their home if they can get, if they get so constricted by fear. This is not good fear. This is the fear that causes us to not do, not achieve, not become, not step out. It can cause us to not obey God. Listen to me. This is important. There's really only two mindsets. There's a mindset of fear and there's a mindset of faith. There's really only two mindsets. By the way, later in our series, I'm going to talk just a little bit about, you know, the children of Israel, they do go to the other side of the Red Sea. They utilize these four clear keys and they get into the wilderness. Moses that comes to a point in time where he takes, remember, there's 12 sons of Israel. His name was Jacob, changed to Israel. Now there's a million of these, I don't know, 500,000 to a million of these people, all right? And you remember Moses goes out, he's the coach. He goes, hey, guess what? We're getting close to the promised land. I need one person from every tribe. You guys are gonna be on a spy mission. You're gonna go into the promised land. You're gonna check it out, come back and talk to us. You guys ready? So he goes, all right, you, 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 12. Sure enough, they go into the promised land. They check it out. They come back. There's only, remember, my thesis. There's only two mindsets. There's only two perspectives ultimately that people have. One is a mindset of fear, backing off, afraid, 
The other one is a mindset of faith. They get back and everybody huddles around Moses and goes, all right, what you got? What you guys got? Go, go. All right, you first. He goes, no way. Those people are huge over there. How about you? No way, Moses. Can't do it, 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 can't do it. Ten of them said, no way. Those people are giants in there. They'll slaughter and destroy all of us. We can't do it. Two of them. Remember, there's only two mindsets. Two of them said this in Numbers chapter 13. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. What was the difference? Listen, same giants, same scenario, same promised land. Ten said no, and two said go. What's the difference? It's perspective. You see, I I can't promise you, watch this, that things are not going to come to you. You're going to see challenges in 2018. You're going to see challenges. But if we apply God's word, it's not if we will see them, it's how we see challenges. It's all about perspective. Reminds me of a story about perspective. I heard about this letter a college girl sent to her parents showing the importance of perspective. Here's what she said. Dear mom and dad, she wrote, I I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire set off by the student riots, I've experienced temporary lung damage. And I had to go to the hospital. And while I was there, I fell in love with an orderly. Well, we've moved in together. I dropped out of school, and when I found out I was pregnant, well, he ended up getting fired because of his drinking. So we're actually going to move to Alaska, where we may get married after the birth of our baby. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of that really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class, and I wanted you to keep it in proper perspective. <laughs> it's all how you see it. Are y'all with me or not? It's all, it's all. Everybody say, things could be worse. Come on now, think. <laughs> the longer I walk with Jesus, I've been a Christian 30 years. The longer I walk with Jesus, It's not if I see the challenges, it's how I see the challenges. See, I believe part of us getting, quote, to the other side is how we see them. See, let me me say this. Fear is costing us a lot more than we realize. I'm telling you, there's a a high cost to fear. It's costing us. It's It's costing us the dreams that God has put in our heart. It's costing us relational restoration. It's costing you and I stepping out. And I I think there's books that were to be written. I think there's businesses that should have been started. I think there's family. I think there's all kind of stuff. There's degrees that should have been gotten. There's there's opportunities that were before us, but but fear caused us to back off. Fear is, is, it it, it threatens, it it paralyzes, it's costing us more. Let me give you three costs to fear. And then I'm going to finish up real quick and give you just a couple practical things we do. Everybody will be out of here on time. Let me give you three costs of fear. Number one, the first cost of fear is living with a mindset of fear. It erodes your self-worth and it breeds stagnation. Listen to me closely. You and I are made in the image of God. We're not God, but we're made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, 2. It, It talks about we're made in the image of God. And part of being made in the image of God is we are creative and we are designed by God, watch this, to hit challenges head on. Something happens on the inside of us when we recoil 
and we don't deal with challenges. Something positive happens in us when we hit a challenge head on. I love what Proverbs 28.1 says. It says, the wicked flees when no one pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. What is that? Listen to me closely. When you and I, by the grace of God, tackle the challenges in front of us, we run into the challenges. We do not retreat. We do not give up, but we actually face our fears. Again, I want to go back and say this again. People have asked me, Pastor Steve, do you ever get scared? Yeah. But I'm learning in life to not submit to that fear. Look, there's times I get out. I'll be honest. There's times I get up and after the offertory song, you know, and, and I get up and, and, and I mean, it's just like this a flash that comes across me and I'm like, all these people are, are about to hear what I have to say. Oh my gosh. And then all the people, that, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is a lot. And I can get, I can get, I can get, so here's the deal. Here's what I've learned to do. It's not that I never feel fearful. It's I've learned to not submit to those feelings of fear. And I push through. Everybody say push through. God's called us to push through. God's called us to run and to deal with those challenges. You know, many of you guys, some of you guys know my family. I, my, my mom and my, my dad, my stepdad, raised me since I was five. Good people, uh, Christian people. And my blood father left my brother and I, my mom, he was an alcoholic, and left when I was four. And um, we had a relationship from four to 12 on and off, and it was pretty rocky. When I was 12, he fell out of our life, like he disappeared, literally, literally disappeared. Changed address, there was no phone. One time we were going to try to hire a private investigator, and my mom thought about it, but we just, she just told us, she goes, I don't know what happened to your dad. It was just, he was gone for six years. When I was 18, I received a letter, and the letter that I received was from my dad, and it was a very elaborate story. He was living in New York, and why he moved to Los Angeles it's a big story. I don't have time to get into it. But he said, if you'd like to reconnect, I'd like to see you. And I remember calling up my brother. I say, respect him. Keith goes, man, I, he's 20. I'm 18. He said, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm not doing that. It's crazy. And he needs to go on. I'm, I'm going. God, though, was working in my heart. And I thought to myself, I, I got I to step out. Of course, I was nervous. And so he, in the letter, I wrote back. And then he wrote back and he says, if you're interested, here's where I'm going to be. So I actually got uh, uh, money from a friend. I said, man, I, I, I'm going to get a plane ticket and go. And not everybody was happy about me going. I'll just say it that way. But I felt because God was dealing with me, I, I needed to make this step. And he said, meet me at Smitty's Restaurant. Smitty's was an Irish, kind of like a pub type deal, but it served breakfast, and it's in, it's in Manhattan, New York, and those of you that have ever been in Manhattan, you can, I think there's two Smitty's. You can Google and look it up, and, and so he told me to be here, and I, I remember, I remember the, how I felt on the inside. I remember just kind of, and I remember walking up, and I just was like, ah, just kind of anxious, and I remember the feelings, but I remember because God was beginning to work in my heart, and I thought, I'm just going to push through this. Everybody say, push through. I'm just going to push through my fears. I'm not going to surrender and submit to these fears. 
And I remember I got to sitting, I sat down with him and we talked and there was a little bit of intensity a couple of times, but, um, and there was, there was the beginning of some reconciliation. 13 years later, those of you that were part of our church, remember when I was, when I turned 31, the church was one, one years old. I, uh, he had a massive heart attack. Myself, my brother and pastor Jacob Aranza, who's my pastor, flew up to New York uh, it, it, it's, it was literally like a movie. And many of you were part of the church, remember this. On his deathbed, he died two weeks later. We had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. He got gloriously born again, tears coming down, gave his heart to Christ. It was awesome. That wasn't me. It was God. Actually, Pastor Jacob's the one that prayed the prayer with him. What's my point? My point is, listen, it costs us more than we realize when we submit to fear. Number two, living in a mindset of fear. Watch what it does. It eradicates your joy and multiplies your regret. Hey, question. Have you ever seen somebody simultaneously be joyful and fearful? It's impossible. They're mutually exclusive emotions. How you doing? I'm joyful. It doesn't work, man. You, 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 I mean, and, and so it, it costs us. And yet the Bible talks about that the, the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? We have these, let me just tell you this. Those that are most prone to fear, I would say you have active imaginations. You're scenario planners. You know what I'm talking about. You pride yourself again on strategic thinking. Nothing wrong with that. If this A then happens and B, and B, but, but, but what happens is you always end up going to the logical extreme where you become disadvantaged in that situation. Somebody hurts you. Somebody takes advantage of you. Somebody hits you. Something happens. Let me just, re I did some research this week. 40% of the things that we fear never happen. 30% of the things that we Fear are in the past. We can't change. 12% is criticism from others, mostly untrue. 10% of the things we fear are our health, which typically gets worse with fear and stress. 8% are real problems that we face. 92% of what people fear either never comes to pass or they have no control of it. What are we doing fearing? It's costing us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow sufficient for the day is our concern. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. Do we plan? Yes. But do we always have to project a negative impending scenario where we become, quote, hurt, taken advantage of, or lose? There's only two mindsets, a mindset of faith and a mindset of fear. Let me give you this last one, and then I'll give you two quick things to get out of fear, and I'll have everybody out of here on time. Number three, here it is. The third thing is living with a mindset of fear. It contaminates others. Do you remember those 10 spies? They came back. And because, because all the older people believe the lies, we can't go up. Everybody over 40, here's what God said. So let's say there's 500. Let's say there's a million Hebrews, all right? Here it is. Let's say there's a million. God said, all right, because you believe the bad report of the 10 and not the good report of the two, guess what? Everybody over 40, you're not going to go into the promised land. Don't tell me that our fears don't cost us and others. We're transmitting those onto our kids. Those of you that own businesses or you're in leadership positions or you're a teacher or a coach or whatever, your fears, your insecurities, we by the way, we transfer fear, but we can also transfer a spirit of faith. 
where there's all things are possible, where, where there's a sense of God is with us. All things can happen to our good. Why? And God's glory. Why? Because God is with us and God is for us. We, we, we can contaminate and infect with fear or with faith. Well, pastor, how do I do it? I don't want to live like this. Let me give you two quick things. Number one, if you want to not, how many of y'all, I'm going to ask all of our, how many of y'all want to defeat fear in 2018? Come on, raise your hand at all of our campuses. Okay, I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to ever submit to fear. Let me give you two quick things. Number one, here's how we do it. Five minutes. Number one, we've got to learn to recognize our thoughts in 2018. Listen to me closely. Fear is, it is an emotion, but it's not neutral. It comes from a thought. Pastor, I don't know why I've been so scared. Question, what have you been thinking about? Your thinking produces your feeling, and then your feelings, you often make decisions and actions that come through there. That's why we got to defeat it at the realm of our thoughts. Paul the Apostle said it this way. I believe in spiritual warfare. I teach on spiritual warfare. The Bible does. I believe there's a cosmic warfare. But there's angels and there's demons. I believe that. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and rules. I've done a whole series on supernatural spiritual warfare. But let me tell you where spiritual warfare begins. Right here. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians, we're talking about defeating fear in 2018 for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what, say it? Strongholds. What are those? Strongholds of fear and anxiety in our mind, rooted now in our emotions. Look what he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what, say it? Thought into the captivity and the obedience of Christ. What is he talking about? He's saying that, listen, we've got to learn to defeat thoughts of fear at the thought level because once those thoughts of fear settle into the emotional level and you start feeling what you've been thinking about, it becomes convincing. Oh, oh gosh, we're finished. We're over. Let me tell you the power of our thoughts. Some of you guys the last month went to a Sad movie. Totally fictitious. If you could sit back and look at it, somebody had a thing, take one, and there's booms and there's cameras and there's all kind of stuff, okay? It's totally made up, totally fictitious. I went to a movie one time, and, and I'm not joking. Literally, there was a person, three, maybe four rows down, they were hysterically crying. It's like, oh, 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 that's so God. And, and it was just like, I was just like, I mean, I didn't say it, but I came close. I, I wanted to say, this is made up. This is not true. You do realize that person's okay. They're eating a chili dog in Los Angeles right now. You do realize that. You're okay. You're, you're just way too much emotion for something that's not true. What's the point? When you think about something, you start feeling about something, then you start making decisions about that. That's why we gotta defeat it at our thoughts. Everybody say, recognize my thoughts. Look at me today, two o'clock tomorrow, think about what you're thinking about. You will be shocked. Some of you are like, gosh, that stuff is so scary. You can't just let that stuff flow through without challenging it. I'm talking about fear. 
So number one, recognize your thought. Number two, here it is, last point. Here it is. You and I have got to not only recognize our thought, but number two, we've got to do what? We've got to respond with God's truth. Listen to me closely. This is so important what I'm about to say. I had a guy in our church one time that dealt with um, counterfeit money. And I said, how, how do you guys deal with counterfeit money? Watch this. This is so powerful to defeating fear in 2018. You got to get this. And he said, Pastor, I got to tell you what we do. Started working there the first day, the first week, the first month. He goes, all we did was feel real money. We just felt it. And we felt it. And we felt it. He says, and then, he says, at the six-week mark, they introduced to us counterfeit money. And here's what he goes. He goes, oh, no way. That's counterfeit. And I said, well, well, how did you know that? He goes, I was so acclimated. I was so conversant and understanding how real money felt that when it was false, immediately picked up. What's my point? We've got to become so acclimate. We've got to be so into the word of God. We've got to know the truth. Everybody say truth. We've got to know this word. We've got to so meditate on the word. We've got to so get this in our spirit, in our minds, in our heart, that when the devil introduces a lie, we go, that's a counterfeit. When the devil says to you, listen to me, when the devil says to you, oh, 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 you're going to go back in the world. This won't stick. And you go, whoa, no, 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 no. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I resist that thought in Jesus' name. I'll close with this story. I've got two minutes. I was never, I say this respectfully, I was not a super fearful kid. I'm talking about growing up when I wasn't even a Christian. I mean, I would see Dracula movies. I didn't like that. I was kind of freaky in the 70s. But when I became a Christian, it's like, wow. Six months after becoming a Christian, I was laying on my bed. One, I'm a Christian. My name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. If I died, I'd go to heaven. My sins have been forgiven. I have a relationship with Jesus. Not perfect, but I was forgiven. Okay? I'm laying in my bed, and I'm just telling you, I'm describing it like it was. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming fear come on me. Like, I was so paranoid, I thought like somebody was under my bed, they're going to kill me. This is, I know this is crazy. I was so scared, I had to go over and I turned the lights on. Next day, same thing happened, I had to sleep with the lights on. Next day, it went on for a month. Finally, I was, I was embarrassed. I said, I went to... Uh, I went to Pastor Doug Armand. I said, I said, Doug, uh, he wasn't a pastor at the time. He was a business guy in the church. He was, you know, 23. I was 18, 19. And, and, he, and I said, Doug, he was a Bible study leader. I said, Doug, okay, what I'm going to tell you is freaky. But, like, I'm so tormented at nighttime. Like, I feel like I'm going to die if I go. I feel, this is crazy. And he says, let me tell you what you need to do. Listen to me very closely. Let me tell you what was happening. Fear is not only a negative mindset. Fear is also a demonic spirit. Jesus, listen, listen. Paul said it this way. God has not given you a spirit of fear. That's not attitude. It's both a negative mindset, but it's a spirit. A demonic spirit was lying to me. 
Paul talks about the, the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are those? Those satanic suggestions from hell. The en enemy can't read your mind, but he can put thoughts and then evaluate your behavior. And he was seeing that, oh, I'm manipulating this kid. Oh, yeah. I, and it, was, it was so ear. Here's what Doug said. He says, you get these, I'm going to tell you what you want to do. I'm telling you, this is going to help somebody right now. He says, you go get three by five index cards. Now, those of you under 20, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How many of y'all remember those white index cards? Listen, listen, from K and B. Come on, can I have a witness? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Y'all remember those K and B? Listen. And he says, you get those index and you write down scripture. And when you feel that fear at nighttime, you roll out of that bed and you start walking back and forth and you start speaking those and read those. I wrote 2,000 scriptures down. I was desperate. And I wrote down, I rolled out of bed. I'd feel that fear, I'd get out. I said, God, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. I'd, I'd had all these scriptures, Romans 8, 37. For, for God, is, God, is, God has made me more than a conqueror through, through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 13. Uh, I, I can do all things. Now, I'm feeling fear while I'm doing this, but I'm pushing it back. I, I, I memorized Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. And I got mad at that thing. I started speaking speaking the word I started driving that thing back and I'm going to tell you one day it was like it lifted submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you that's what the Bible says that's what the Bible says I want everybody to stand